Welcome back to Limbach Unlocked. We talk a lot about leading teams of people, but what about leading leaders? That is a whole other ball game, or is it? With us today to unpack what it means to lead leaders is Harper Limbach President Nick Angerosa. He will explain his take on leadership and what it takes to strategically lead a multi-million dollar business and teams and teams of people. I'm Kate Mystery. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome, Nick. I'm so glad we can have you on the show today. Thank you for that, Kate. I'm glad to be here. I've been looking forward to it. So let's start at the at the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about your background with this industry and also with this company. Background with this industry. I um Gosh, I probably forgotten a lot of this until I started thinking about what some of these questions were mm-hmm. going to be, which is a little, you know, fun trip down memory lane. It is. <laughs> um, I'm glad it was fun. Yeah, i've I've been in in I've, I've been in the industry. I've been in the business for quite a long time, um, and a lot of people have. Um, I wasn't necessarily born into it, but I really did get started in the in in the mechanical industry, like in high school. Okay. Um, I was working for a contractor, uh, mechanical contractor, kind of summer job. I did a lot of uh, expediting, shop and delivery, everything from sweeping the floors to inventory. I learned all the fittings in the shop. I learned what, you know, all the parts and pieces and components were. Um, They kind of had me, you know, after that uh, on my tools on some projects. Okay. So I got a little bit of field experience by no means Am I any sort of tradesman like our fine Harper or Limbach tradesmen and women out there? Um, not at all, but you know, let's put it this way. I was a hobbyist and I dabbled a little bit, right? I mean, that's still valid. You learn stuff. You learn quite a bit. Yeah. You learn quite a bit. You learn how good they are. <laughs> right. The right. skill that it takes. Yes. Definitely. Exactly. Exactly. Um, trying to think. So, you know, they saw I had a little bit of a native ability um, with that same company, I was brought into the office to start learning how to estimate. I had my sort of foray into small-time project management um, at that point in time too. So you know, I was very young, but I got a lot of uh, you know, I, I got a lot of interesting exposure mm-hmm. to the business, the company, the industry, um, and I really liked it. Right? Yeah. I really liked it. I liked the I, I liked the idea of building things. I liked the idea of kind of creating value. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun, right? It was fun. And I knew a lot of, you know, friends of mine had jobs and they weren't so fun. Right. We always seem to be having fun, put it that way. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool. Um, in the mid nineties, I was actually hired with, um, an MCOR company called Pool and Kent in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I was hired as an assistant project manager. Um, so step up from what I was doing before, obviously at a much younger age, um, and I was with that company for a long time, probably 16 years. Um, throughout that duration, I, I really had the opportunity to wear a lot of hats. So I started off as an entry-level you know, project engineer, assistant PM. Um, I moved into you know, dedicated project management for a while. Um, I got into running some larger projects, some smaller projects. You know, as, I, as I grew, I got into doing special projects major projects. Um, I learned how to estimate and kind of sell my own work. Um, I had my own customers. I learned how to manage accounts and relationships. Did so, I got to stop you because I'm, I'm curious. Did you have a 
favorite out of all of those things? Because that's like you had your hands full growing, growing through the ranks there. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably the special projects. How come? Probably the special projects. You know, the big, big projects um, are interesting. Mm-hmm. And they require a tremendous amount of effort. Right. Um, but with the special projects, you know, you really, you, you were your own salesperson. You were your own project manager. You had regular interaction with your customer. You were solving one of their problems. Um, you know, it was, it was fast paced. It was quick. Yep. And, you know, you were, you, you were constantly turning over quality service, right? Yeah. To that yeah. customer. And you really built a, a, a good relationship and the stuff makes really good margin too. There's a reason why, because of how right. valuable it is. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it was kind of a, you know, if you're like an adrenaline junkie, not to say you have to be an adrenaline junkie to right. do this, this small project stuff, but um, it's just very interesting and something's always moving. Something's always changing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it was just, it, it was exciting. It was exciting. Yeah. So I okay. Like yep. That's good to know because like you, you just gave me a whole list of things that you had experienced. I mean, you probably learned from all of them, but I'm always curious as to what made the most impact and why. <laughs> yeah. But that's Probably. just one piece of your life. So then from there, what happened? So, so from there um, is really when my life changed right now. I, I, it's kind of a joke, but for the better, obviously, yeah, for the better, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I made a decision um, to join Harper in 2012 and I was, um, I was hired as the operations manager in, in Tampa and uh, people kind of keep in mind Tampa's a, a bigger branch today, and but mm-hmm. Tampa wasn't exactly that back then. So it was a it was a very small branch. Um, you know, it was kind of a startup at that point in time. There was a there was a guy named Mike McCann. People have heard his name a couple of times, and a few he times. Was, yeah, he, he was the. Uh, I think he Mike was hired as like a account manager originally. Yeah. Um, back in 2010 or 11, I may be wrong about that, but. Um, you know, he got some traction in Tampa and got things going. Um, so he was the new kind of VP branch manager there. And um, we actually met at a pretty big meeting. We were competitors. And, um, okay. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting a call from Brent Sobrowski. Yep. It's, you know, Brent's Brent, right? And so many yeah. of us have, have have gotten to know Brent through, uh, through the years. I've gotten similar calls. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the rest was really exciting. So, yeah. you know, back then it was kind of a 10 10 or $12 million business, we were kind of figuring out, you know, how to grow it and how to build it. Um, we did pretty well, you know, over the course of a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually merged Tampa and Orlando back together as one company for a period of time. Um, then I became VP of operations for Harper and was really kind of moving all, all around the state. Um, yeah. And then ultimately, um, we scaled the company, I think, from 2013 to 2016 or 17, we scaled the company up from probably 30, 35 million to 65, 70 million over that period of time. And um, we now had a unique opportunity to sort of undo what we did and create branches again, because we had enough sort of scale to do it. And um, if, if we were going to continue to grow the company responsibly, you know, I doubled back and stayed in Tampa as a senior VP and branch manager. So I was now managing the Tampa branch um, and Billy Brockenbrow. Um, took a similar role in Orlando. He's obviously still managing the branch in Orlando and, you know, kind of the rest is history, so to speak. We've, we've kind of 
you know, continue to scale and, and, and get really good results and build a really good business. So, but it's, it's funny to think about it because when you look yeah. back, it's really, it's really not that long ago. You know, it's, no. it's 10, 11, 12 years ago. There's, there's been a lot of good work done by a lot of people. So 10 years ago, you said around 30 million in three years, it was around 65. That was not without its, its, its share of headaches too. I'm sure. Cause that well, is a huge jump, but we learned a lot. We yes. learned a ton. Yeah. We learned a ton. And we were really fortunate to have some really quality people with us that are yeah. still with us that, 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 you know, everybody made that lift together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also the, it, it was also our ability to really acquire a lot of talent mm-hmm. that, you know, is really best in class talent. Those people are still at Harper and elevate, they're in elevated positions today. And they're really the people who have, you know, built the company's success, right? All the, all the, yeah. all the craft workers, the service technicians, the different, you know, management, ad- administrative folks, people in leadership, you know, a lot of people have been here for quite a while building this business. So, yeah. And I mean, that's one of the reasons we're talking today is because you are overseeing a lot of talented people and um, overseeing talented people who oversee talented people. So there's that layers of talent, which is, which is what I'm really excited to get into before we yeah. really go into that. I'm, I'm noticing in this, especially in this last decade, uh, you were in these leadership roles and they're pretty visible leadership roles. Were you always, you know, keen on leading? Was that something you were always trying to get to? And I don't want to assume that leadership is just based on a position, but it's obvious you were in a leadership role for a long time. Yeah, I, it's, it's kind of in my nature. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not someone who can kind of sit by. Okay. Um, you know, I, 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 I say it that way, but I mean, just even at a young age, I was, you know, different jobs I've had. I was, I, I always found a way to be trusted with, with, you know, more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've always sort of gravitated towards, towards, towards leadership. Yeah. Um, I'm not really afraid of, well, there's a lot that we're afraid of in life and in business, but I'm not afraid of challenging myself. Um, I'm not afraid of, you know, betting on myself ultimately at, at, at the end of the day. And I do that with the best of intentions. It's not any sort of personal drive or ego driven sort right. of thing. The work, some of the worst things to me are wasted time, opportunity, and talent. And I, and I feel like if I have the time, the opportunity and the talent to do something, why am I not doing it? And if I can do it in a fashion that benefits other people and that benefits the company or any particular objective, I have a hard time not doing it. I have a hard time not doing it. So yeah. I guess I am driven that way. But. Well, and and I want to talk about that because what you've just given us is kind of like a blueprint maybe or a definition of what you believe about leadership and leading. So can you break that down a little bit more for us? What is a leader's job in your mind? Well, <clears throat> quite a few things, right? There's, there's a lot of different ways to answer this, but... Um, you know, ultimately, the buck stops with you as 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 the leader. You got to be okay with that. Yeah. Right. You got to be okay with that. You got to own own the wins, own the losses. Um, I'm a big believer in leading by example, leading by effort. You know, every everybody's watching and listening to you, to not only you but your leaders as well. The way your leaders act is a direct reflection of essentially you. Yeah. Um, so, I I'm big on that. Um, I like to work hard. 
um, I like people to see that I'm working just as hard as they are or, or harder all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not just hard work, it's smart work too. Right. Um, I think, you, I think you have to be always, people say this, it's, 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 it's pretty simple. You got to be charting the course. You got to be thinking ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all the time, all the time. Um, inspiring, motivating, celebrating, mm -hmm. recognizing, yeah. um, you have to build consensus, right? And that's not easy to do. Um, but you have to build consensus. You have to get buy-in if you're going to get alignment, which is incredibly important. You can only go so far as a leader if you don't have alignment on your teams. You can really not go very far unless you have that sort of, so you've got to figure out a way to get alignment. Hmm. You get alignment with building consensus, selling vision, celebrating, recognizing, motivating, all those things build, build alignment. Um, that's, that's key, right? Building yeah. alignment. Yeah. You gotta be incredibly decisive. Um, trust your instincts. And here's the, here's, here's kind of the, this is something I've always liked to say, because as a leader, um, when you're leading a, a, a business unit or you're leading a department, you know, and you're not just sort of leading a project or, or something like that, right? You're, you're, you're moving up and your perspectives change. Your tolerance for ambiguity has to be off the charts. Oh, right? yeah. Like some, some people, a lot of people, it's really hard to process that, that ambiguity. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's either this or it's this or, well, actually, you know, the, the more, the more of this I've done, I've really learned to, I love ambiguity and I've, I've learned to love problems, right? Because it, it gives me something to solve. Um, it, it, it gives me a conditions that, you know, that I can improve upon. Um, but being able to process all these gray areas, right? Things that aren't necessarily so black and white, your ability to kind of sit down yeah. um, and think, think, think through all that stuff and how it's going to affect the people, the business, the customers, the, you know, the, those are some things I love to do. And in the leadership role, that's the job. Like you're yeah. doing that all the time. You're, you're the head coach using like the football analogies, mm -hmm. right? You're building the game plan. You're coaching the assistant coaches at the same time. Sometimes you're coaching players. <laughs> you know, you're, you, you, you're doing all these things. And it's, you know, the best way I would describe it too is professional leadership, you know, in, in, in these sort of positions, it's not really a job. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's kind of a professional lifestyle. What do you mean? Um, jobs are jobs. You know, like some people check in, check out of the job. That's fine. That's okay. Um, but there's a lot more to it. The responsibilities of, of leadership are just, you know, a, a lot more. It's demanding in that sense. And, you know, my mind just never stops thinking about our situations, our people, our customers, our vision, you know, and that to me yeah. is not a drag. That is exciting all the time. I was going to ask you, is that like exhausting or is that rejuvenating and energizing? Well, at certain times, yes, it, I mean, quite honestly, it can be exhausting. Yeah. But, you know, more so, it's it's incredibly energizing. And, you know, it's really compelling to think about our opportunities. And it's really interesting to look back just at recent history of the company, mm -hmm. Limbach overall, to see the major successes that we've had, you know, in, in, in recent years. And to see what the company's created and what the company's building on right now for success in the future. You know, we've never been positioned better. Yeah. So it's very energizing. That's true. That is exciting. Where we're taking this thing. 
you know? Right. So to me, it's like being a kid in a candy store. So it's I mean, fun. you've given, so like, that's a, that is a grocery shopping list of qualities and super easy, right? Sounds really easy to be a leader. So we're good. We can end the podcast right now because we have our list. <laughs> I wish it was that easy, right? I, good leaders are hard to find. They are. And, and you know this, sometimes they're expensive to hire. Actually, if they're a good leader, they are expensive to hire and then they're harder to keep. But I think one of the things, the, one of the reasons we're talking is because with the right strategies and some of those things that you just gave us, we can nurture leaders. We can turn our organization into, into um, like an incubator lab for yes. leaders, right? So you have your own experience where you've learned some of these skills that you just gave me or some of these qualities that you just gave me. When, when did you lead your first team? And is that a space where you learned some of these things that you now say, hey, this is what a leader's job is? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could go back to, you know, childhood, right? Sure. And go back to like when I was leading teams, you know, literally doing team sports and stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah, true. I, I won't really go all the way back to that. But I, okay. I, I, I would say that like my first professional association with managing a larger team would have been, you know, I'm thinking back to projects. And I, I remember I, I did a, a major project as a, as like a senior project manager back in 2008, 2009. Um, and it was a, it was a casino project in, in Tampa. And it was literally a $12 million project in 10 months. I mean, it was fast. Whoa. And, okay. and, you know, 12 million back then was a lot, is obviously a lot more today in today's dollars. Sure. So you get a size of, of the size and scope of the project. But, you know, I was essentially a, like a, a project project executive on site. I had some uh, project engineers, you know, assistant PMs. Yeah. I, had, I had some accounting staff, administration. I had tons of superintendents and a huge field staff. So, you know, I was managing the whole project. And that was probably the first time where I really had a big team mm -hmm. that I had to manage and I had to coordinate and I had to learn about, you know, how to make this whole thing work every day and how to build an incredibly demanding project in like warp speed record time. <laughs> not, <laughs> not overwhelming at all. <laughs> and, and keep everybody sane too. Right. So that, that on top you know, of it all. Yes, exactly. But, but that was probably the first time that I had to lead a, a, a large team and I, I liked it. I like the, you know, I, I, I like the responsibility. Um, I like being dependent on, mm -hmm. you know, to be in that role. Um, and ultimately I gained a ton of experience, yeah. a ton of experience. I mean, I had run other, lots of other projects before and managed smaller teams and, and, and different components, but, you know, as far as being, being able to, or being responsible to manage a, you know, a larger team like that with hundred percent responsibility, that, that was probably the biggest assignment you know, earliest in my career would, would have been that one. Yeah. And, and, you know, that list of um, characteristics that you gave me earlier, where there are a couple of those where you really, you learn to embody that characteristic or you learned that quality in that job, like the motivating, celebrating, recognizing all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, probably the best, well, I, I guess it goes back to my leadership style. Yeah. Um, which maybe we can get into a little sure. bit. And by the way, I'm still learning that myself. And I think a lot of us are. Yeah. Which, which is a good thing because we're always, a, all of us are adapting. That's right. You have to adapt. Um, 
my leadership style, I, I, I really like to, to do the best I can to build relationship mm-hmm. with people um, who, are, who are on the team. Uh, because you know you have to have that relationship built and established if you're going to if you're going to be honest with each other, you know if you're going to have you know moments of clarity and all those things. But I remember particularly that project there was a, there was a couple people that I was managing as part of that team who were going through some difficult uh, situations personally, mm-hmm. um, and I was able to build some really good personal relationships with them um, along the way that made a big difference. Yeah, um, you know I I was also you know, I, I, I did the best I could. Um, I did the best I could to try not to do too much myself either. And, uh, you know, I, I think yeah. I, I probably got in trouble a couple of times with just trying to do everybody's job all the time it, for certain periods of time. Um, I learned a lot about how to kind of step back and, uh, you know, reassess things versus trying to burn myself out by trying to get, you know, a particular result today, tomorrow, the next day, and then, right duplicate it. Um, and I, I think the best thing to say, Kate, is that I learned a lot about what not to do too, about managing people on teams. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I oftentimes, yeah, yeah, oftentimes we think that leadership is this, I don't know. I, I there's this idealistic and heroic view of a leader. And sometimes you learn to lead through failures or through the really make, challenging you, stuff. You make tons of mistakes. Yeah. You make tons of mistakes. You learn what to check on, when to check on it, why. You learn what happens when you don't check in on things and learn how to get in and out of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you learn, well, you pay the price when you're not curious. Sometimes you got to always be in, in, incredibly curious without micromanaging. You can be very curious without micromanaging. People use the word paranoia and laugh, they joke, but ultimately it's just being incredibly curious. Like ABC, yeah. always be curious. Um, you know, you have to have you know, kind of high energy, you've got to not, you, you, you have to not be afraid of all those things at once. Right. right. But I did learn an incredible amount about, about what not to do. Um, yeah. The first time out sort of managing a group of people like that, of, of that size, a project like that, with no prior experience managing a team that size either. So. Yeah. And I would imagine that in your role today as president and the fact that you're leading leaders, um, that's probably something you have empathy for, I would think, because you understand, you've been there, you understand what it's like to, to fail, to make mistakes, and that you're going to learn from them. Um, are there any other things that help you lead leaders in your role today? Because that's a tough job. Yeah. So let me think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, right? Yeah. There's a yeah. lot. The different levels of management that I've, that I've operated in, um, every here's what I've learned. Every time you move up, your perspectives have to move up with it, right? Every time you you move up, your you know your perspective has to change and be more curious at a higher level, right? And you've got to be able to see things at a higher level. Um, and the more successful you are, we have to see things and analyze things from a higher level perspective is the best way to say it. Okay. And your ability to do that is really going to allow you to challenge your leaders to evolve their perspectives as well. It's really easy because today's leader in our company and any company that's managing a, a department or a branch or whatever, it's so understandable to have tunnel vision, right? Right. As a local leader. 
And it's really hard to think about the business from outside the business or to think about the department from outside the department because things are so fast, so much going on. There's, there's a lot of demands on everybody, but you know, I, I, I try to get them to evolve with their perspectives and, and, and to see things at a little bit of a higher level than just having the tunnel vision of what, of what's happening locally mm-hmm. and to try to have more of a 30,000 foot view. They've got to be able to mentally check out of the business sometimes to be able to look back into the business to have things become clear, right? And, you know, challenging people to do that really makes them a better leader because they're, they're really challenging themselves to take themselves out of the day-to-day problems and sort of look at the company, the branch holistically, what's the best thing to do for the business and what's the right moves to make, right? Yeah. What, what are some, I guess, what are some practices that you have to help people do that? Because even, yeah. I, I'll just leave it at that. What are some practices that you have? So um, <clears throat> we always have problems. We always have issues to work through. Um, and as busy and as quick as things are, it's really easy for leadership teams um, or anybody on leadership team to have a problem or issue and say, here's, you know, here's the solve, here's the solution. Mm-hmm. This, and what they're really saying is, here's not the solution. There's, what they're really saying is, this would stop that now. Right? <laughs> this, gotcha. This would stop that now. And a lot of times, we're all guilty of doing that. Sure. And sometimes you have to do things like that too. But what I try to do all the time is I, I try to look at those situations that they may be dealing with, and I try to challenge them to think of it in different terms. Okay, I know what your problem is today, and I know how you got there. I know what's going to make that problem sort of not be as big of a problem going forward, but that's a temporary fix. What's a durable solution? Everything you do needs to be incredibly intentional, right? So you need to be able to look out one, two, three years down the road. Yeah. Look at the business three years down the road. What is it going to look like then per our vision? Mm -hmm. What future have we declared for ourselves that we're living into, right? Whatever you do. So you got to understand what that's going to look like, what it should look like, what you want it to look like. And everything you do today to solve those problems shouldn't be something that you're going to have to undo 12 months from now, 16 months from now. That's key. Yeah. You, you, You have to, it's a chess game. It's, it's, it's a bit of a chess game. Right. And it's imperfect and it's not always, you know, it, everything doesn't line up where it's supposed to all the time. Right. But you've got to make forward thinking decisions. And sometimes that's the absolute hardest thing to do when you got some problem that's really killing you today. Right. But you got to always be thinking, what's the best thing? My obligation is to do the best thing for the business. What is that? How do we do it? And, and you said something earlier about your leadership style being relationship driven and relationship oriented. I guess I'd like to kind of close us out with how do you marry that style with having to strategize for the business? I, um, well, when I say relationship based, um, I think you have to have good relationships with, with your leaders as people. You have to understand them. Um, you have to understand their strengths, their weaknesses, mm-hmm. and you have to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah. Um, because when you have that relationship, you have respect. And when you have respect, you can really build a relationship even further and further and further and further. And when you have trust, relationship and respect, you can be honest. Mm. And honesty is something 
that if you don't, I mean, if, if you don't have the ability to be honest with each other, you have no ability to set clear expectations. You have no ability to provide feedback to, to each other. You're not doing the business any favors because you're responsible to manage the business and you can't even provide feedback or have clear expectations on roles, responsibilities, decisions, actions. Yep. So, you know, you have to have relationship trust so that you can have clarity and expectations and the right feedback loops in place to constantly be improving. Okay. I'm, I'm writing this down because I love the, the visual in my mind of the relationships to trust, to honesty, to decision-making, to feedback, like it all affects each other, yep. which is kind of cool to think through. Um, you know, you've given, you've given us a lot to digest, a lot to think about because I, I don't think leadership is one thing. And you've, you've expressed that, like you're learning constantly. We are always evolving, especially as leaders. Um, and to lead leaders takes an extra set of evolution. Um, so I appreciate you giving your perspective on that. Leaders are teachers in many ways, right? So yes, I, you have taught us some things today to consider <laughs> and to reflect for sure. And I would like to end, you know, we always end our show or have at some point in the show with a, uh, a fun segment. So of course okay. I had to, I had to do that, Nick. Sure. Right. So it's not something. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, it is related in some ways and I'm transitioning it here. Like I said, leaders are teachers, which is true. So my curveball question for you is this. Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. If you had to teach a class on one thing, anything, what would you teach? Anything, anything, one thing, anything in life, anything doesn't matter. Any, what it doesn't matter whatever it is. What would I teach? Well, I would probably, I would probably teach. It would be a fishing seminar, a saltwater fishing seminar. Right? <laughs> I love it. That is most likely what I would do is I would, I, I would probably most qualified for a saltwater fishing seminar put it that way. Wow. Right. So you're like a pro fisherman. I've spent a lot of time and, and I spent a lot of time and effort. Yes. Fishing <laughs> in the state of Florida. Um, right. Well. Fishing and all those good things. That's, that's sort of my, my passion outside of here, but obviously my family mm -hmm. and boating and fishing. That's me. Okay, so all of our listeners, when you're in Tampa, you can hit up Nick for some saltwater fishing lessons. That's exactly right. <laughs> and talk leadership while you're out there, you know? Right. And, or I could just send you some YouTube videos. So. Okay. <laughs> Either way. It works that way too. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been awesome. I've enjoyed our conversation thoroughly. I'm sure we will be talking more because like we said, this is a, an ongoing, ever-evolving, we're ever learning about leadership. Thank you for your time, Nick. Yes, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Whether it be lessons in fishing or learning to lead, Nick has provided us a roadmap to lead other leaders and for that matter, an organization. Now it takes a lot more than a list or a conversation, but what Nick has given us is a glimpse at a lifelong journey of leadership. And that is something we all can pursue and engage in, and it often takes a village to excel in it. We've seen that here in Nick's journey and we benefit by hearing his experience and learning from it for our own leadership journeys. Catch you next time on Limbach Unlocked. Mm -hmm.